0: Welcome to the Attack Action Podcast with your hosts, the Battle Bros, Taylor and Isaac. How's it going, Isaac? Great. We just had a great tournament. How are you doing? <laughs> I'm doing pretty good. Um, so I guess we'll just say this right up top. This is our second take on this episode. First one uh, was had some technical difficulties.
1: Yeah, I mean, no, nobody knew that till now. But <laughs> our first second take ever.
0: Yeah. This is an emergency pod. We're making an emergency pod right now for you guys.
1: Yeah, Taylor drove down to my house late at night, so we're you know having a glass of wine and making a, a making a better pod,
0: making a better pod for you, the listener at home. That's that's what you mean to us. Um, and plus, we just didn't want to put out some like gobbledygook. You know, we want to make sure we put out a quality episode. Um, So, welcome to the Attack Action Podcast. If this is your first episode, I know we have a lot of new players um, joining the fabulous (laughs) community, Um, then welcome. Um, We have some other episodes that you should listen to if you want to get to know us a little bit better. Episode 1 is a great place to start. Um, And then we also have an episode about deck building. This episode is going to be tailored to you the new listener and the new player perhaps or the veteran player and uh you might uh learn a thing or two but we're so we're gonna have some kind of tips and tricks for you um and some like general advice for new players
1: right so for our regular listeners our last uh episode was a pretty deep dive and pretty like uh, tech heavy or meta heavy just from like what we learned so this is going to be quite different but we're still going to try to uh splice in some insights into the different mechanics of the game as we go but this is for people just getting into it
0: yep um but go ahead and uh, give the whole thing a listen my dog is up and about she's got an itch and uh, that's one of the perks of listening to our show is that you get to hear our animals in the background occasional dog itch you know <laughs> yeah definitely. Um, okay, so usually we start the show with a bit of news, um, but there's not really any news to uh, speak of here. Um, nothing's really happening other than, you know, uh, products of the unlimited run. Or are... well, remember the the three top card
1: websites on the planet all oh. carry Fab now.
0: Yep, so that would be Channel Fireball, TCG Player, and our favorite, Fab Foundry.
1: Yeah, probably should have listed that first, but...
0: Well, you saved the best for last. Oh, right. Yeah. Um, so we are partnered with Fab Foundry. Um, there will be a link in the description of this show that you could follow, and that lets them know you, you've come from us. And you also, for one week, once this episode airs, um, you will get 10% off singles with the code ATTACKACTION10. So you go to Fab Foundry, click the link, and then use the Uh, code attack action 10 and that'll be in the show notes too if you're driving and can't write this down
1: yeah put the notepad down while you're driving yeah totally it'll be fine
0: Um, and thanks a lot to fab foundry Um, it's a a site i use um, and on it is a excellent person Uh, he sends you a personalized note with every order and he also has a really great uh, youtube channel where he does openings he does sponsored openings so you can buy a box from him and uh, he'll open it on stream for you and then send you all the cards which is pretty cool. Right. And,
1: he also has his customer lottery.
0: Yeah, which he does every month so if you spend $10 or more you're automatically entered into a lottery at the end of the month and uh, he does a video on that with ping pong balls and it's pretty exciting um, and the prizes are usually big. Last month it was a uh, I think alpha print. Um, Welcome to Wraith. Welcome to Wraith was the grand prize. And then um, 50 bucks store credit for second place or something like that. So yeah. that's a big incentive there. I definitely watched that video to see if we won anything. <laughs>
1: yeah, me too. Yeah. Um, but hint. Be... hints.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, just kidding. But also, uh, so far, he has put a handwritten note in packages set. We're not going to hold him to that for.
0: You know <laughs> after this bump he's gonna have like a million orders oh to totally. make him right all those yeah notes, totally. you know? but I think he might dog you're fine um okay so I think that's it uh did you have any shout outs Isaac that you wanted to uh shout uh, yeah uh Adam from Cleveland
1: and everybody else on the Ranger Discord channel um good for you keep at it Rangers tons of fun and uh just a tough cookie.
0: You
1: yeah, know? definitely. Keep keep uh, unlocking the just tons of different play styles that are possible.
0: Yeah, and uh, if you're more interested in the Ranger class, we do have an episode, episode 5, um, that does a deep dive into the Ranger and Runeblade. Right. Um, which, also, that's my... I have two shoutouts. One is definitely to everyone in the uh, Runeblade channel. I know a few people have been tinkering with my list i've put up there a few times and um having mixed results <laughs> but i mean you know so do i um and then uh we had a a, a person recently who just listened to the podcast and is now inspired to play Blade. so pretty psyched on nice. that yeah well once again this game is piloting foremost right
1: yeah don't definitely. don't throw
0: our list together Lose once and get mad at us. That's... <laughs> yeah, totally. You got to put in the amount of time we put in. Um, my second shout out is to Team Covenant. Uh, so yeah. they're a U.S. distributor for Fab and just a board game store. And they do a lot of YouTube content. They, you can see them streaming Fab usually on Tuesdays live. Or you can just check all their replays. Um, they just Their most recent episode of the Covenant cast, their podcast, they talk about kind of the collectability and the trajectory that Fab Flesh and Blood is on right now and they also next week I believe are going to have James White on the podcast for an interview and he's one of the creators, designers of Flesh and Blood so you should go check that out both of those podcasts Um, those are going to be really good listens so there you go all right Uh, On to uh, our first topic of the day, which is our tournament recap. So um, we try to do uh, a tournament once a month. Um, It's a little different because there's only four of us in our play group. We don't have like a locals other than just uh, four friends, me, Isaac, and two of our friends. And so this month's tournament, we try to switch up the formats a little bit.
1: And I'll interrupt you really quick. Uh, we each only played two of the characters, so we split up a box we open. Yeah, between totally. all of us. So the eight eight classes go to two of them go to each of us. Right. So no mirror matches, which is just fantastic. I think.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so this month's format was we usually split it over um, a day and a half. So we usually. Uh, Play one evening, and then everybody has like a little slumber party, and then we play the next morning after breakfast.
1: Which usually results in like drinking and playing the first half, and like having just an awesome time, and then the next day playing like sober and very serious and competitive. <laughs> yeah, not by design, but it's just, our tournaments are split
0: up into two
1: different
0: halves. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you don't during the pandemic, you just don't get together with people that often, so. You know, it,
1: make the most of it. Yeah, you got you right, yeah.
0: and it's just fun to have a quite a few drinks and then <laughs> play flesh and blood. Also, um, but so anyway, I know you're all at the edge of your seat to know what our format is. <laughs> but this month was night one blitz, day two constructed classic constructed. Um, so what makes that interesting is that. Everybody has three heroes to play. So I play warrior and rune blade. So I have my kasai young hero blitz option, and I suppose also the merchant is an option too. So there was more
1: or the Gemini, but yeah,
0: right. Well, we don't own one of those until a lovely listener sends us one. Oh yeah. <laughs> um, don't send us one. That's fine. Hold on to that thing, and then yeah, we'll
1: just fight to the death over it, then and there'll be no more podcasts. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Yeah, exactly. So it's your fault. Um, So it makes it a little bit more interesting because you couldn't really predict what your opponents were going to play on night one. Although we did predict it perfectly, actually, on our perhaps previous episode or uh, just in talking to one another leading up to that.
1: Yeah, pretty close to it. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So... um,
1: So the only rule was you uh, play any character for Blitz and any character for Standard. You just couldn't play the same character, right? So I could have played KO Blitz, Reinar Standard, or Reinar Blitz, Azalea Standard.
0: But you just couldn't play Reinar Blitz, Reinar Standard, or Classic Instructed. So our good buddy, Mitch the Mad Scientist, wound up winning the whole tournament.
1: He did. After winning a bunch of very tight matches. This was a really good... Uh, tournament because it was all very close
0: yeah definitely so we wound up because blitz games were really fast um, we wound up playing two rounds of blitz and we valued each one of those wins at one point right so at the end of day one if you had gone undefeated you would have had six points so then the constructed day classic constructed those games were also valued at two points Um, But we were only playing each other once. So there was a total of 12 points on the board to be had. Um, And then day one wound up Troy, our other friend Troy, uh, played Guardian. And he wound up with the best score. So he wound up with four points uh, total. So he won uh, four games. And then me and Mitch were tied for second place with three points each. And then, uh, unfortunately, you, Isaac, were in last place with two points.
1: Yeah. yeah, it went two and four with Azalea. Yeah, tough. This is a good learning moment. Uh, play what you know, right? <laughs> I spent all my effort uh, trying to crack KO and just didn't get there, so then made Azalea really quick. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think being able to pilot your deck and know your deck well, obviously, but is uh, really paramount.
0: Yeah, definitely. So just, I guess, so you guys know what happened. um Troy played Guardian. Mitch played Wizard. I played Warrior Kasai. And then you, Isaac, played Azalea. Um, Blitz. 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 Um, And so that's how it worked out. So it meant on the second day for Troy not to win outright, he had to lose two games. Right. Right. So the three of us had to, one of, two of us had to beat him.
1: Which you and Mitch took care of.
0: Yep. I took care of that no problem with, uh, my big boy Viscerai deck, day two, um, which worked out great. Um, he played Mechanologist day two, and I um, was comfortably beating the living crap out of him. He got a little tilted, didn't know what to do, and he like broke his boots that had his arcane barrier. So then I just had to like <laughs> sit around and make enough room chance to kill him.
1: Real tilted mistake.
0: Yeah, definitely.
1: Yeah, well you brought your new Viscerai control deck.
0: Yeah, and if you want to know more about that list and that sort of thing, listen to episode five or hit me up on the Discord channel. Um, so uh, just to briefly talk, I guess, about day two so we don't get too far into it. it. It wound up being me versus Mitch at the end and you versus Troy. So if you had beaten Troy, right, you would win. If Troy beat you, it meant that the winner of me and Mitch's game was going to win, right? Which is what happened. Troy it's beat pretty you. Close point total. Yeah, yeah, totally. In that there were a many different outcomes for many different players. Like uh, three out of the four of us could have been the champ. Yeah, right. Which is really exciting because last month it was it wound up being um, either you or Troy right. in the final game again <laughs> yeah, for the championship. Although this time it was all yours to lose. You know right which is upsetting right so i talked about this with you after the tournament that technically we're experts on the game and have a podcast and in our own tournaments we just aren't winning <laughs> and we play each other like all the time well yeah i mean if you want to add up our
1: total wins playing ever you know but again it's like if if you want to win in a tournament you got to play what you know right like i you brought kasai and i was trying to crack ko
0: yeah you know yeah.
1: Not to take anything away from our buddies, but.
0: Totally. Um, also, hit me up if you want to know my Kasai list. It, it worked really well, I think. Yeah. Uh, despite not being Dorinthia and having her specializations. Like, that's the biggest downside to running your Blitz heroes, they don't have the specialization cards to pull from. So. Yeah. Um, my Azalea Blitz needs a lot of
1: work. <laughs> Probably play a couple rounds with that. Yeah. Um, totally. Reinar Claws, though, is just an animal.
0: Oh, totally. That deck's so good. Ugh. Okay. Anyway, so that's the tournament recap. Congratulations to Mitch. He took home the Champion's chalice and I'm sure is drinking beer out of it as we speak. Oh yeah, probably in front of the TV. Yeah. <laughs> yeah All right. Wizard
1: Blitz and Ninja Standard. Mitch took it.
0: Yep. Um I think he won he won 3 games with Wizard and 2 Yeah, 2 with uh Ninja. Yeah,
1: he had a pretty good uh, game against me in Blitz. I put him. I was gonna kill him with a dominate arrow, right? And he had to do eleven damage to me with Wizard and did exactly that. <laughs> Classic Wizard win. Classic. A wizard. A lot of squeakers, and he just won.
0: Yeah. Oof. Yeah, I was lucky. He misplayed pretty hard in our second uh, matchup, and I wound up taking that game. It's really relaxing, though, when you play a game after playing Wizard. Because you're like, oh,
1: I, I don't like tremble in fear <laughs> totally if like, I put a card on the table. I
0: can pitch this blue? Yeah. Excellent. I can yeah. like, play my cards and not totally. burn to death. Yeah. But then I had a big misplay in our uh, ninja matchup. And that swung the tide of that game also. So it yeah. worked out even in the end. But December's tournament, it's going to be me or you. Oh, yeah. We're going to win that one. Do
1: you want to pitch our ideas for this tournament oh of course for then you want to do it now let's do it now and then i'm gonna pitch the first one you pitch the second you got it all right co-host pilot so uh uh my idea for our next tournament is we each bring a deck standard or classic constructed whatever um and throw it in a hat then everybody picks a deck randomly out of the hat right so say i you know, bring Reinar and then Taylor picks it out of the hat. Then you play the night with Reinar. Mm-hmm. And then the next day, we all play each other with our decks that we brought. So uh, it, it's pretty much just your piloting ability against each other. I mean, you could, you know, somebody might get a deck they like less or whatever, but it's, I thought it was pretty interesting because it, uh, we just see how well the, another player can pilot our deck and how well we can pilot another player's deck.
0: Yeah, totally. I think that's uh, a really cool idea and I definitely lean towards that. We have a competing idea though. Yeah. My added spice onto that is exact same format, but you get points at the end of day one, first place getting the fewest points and last place getting the most points and then you can bid your points on which deck you want to play, right? So if for some reason Troy's guardian deck goes undefeated, perhaps me who gets last place for some reason in this scenario wants to play his guardian deck.
1: You'll get first pick. I'll get first pick, yeah. Yeah, which is also a good idea and kind of levels things out.
0: Yeah, and it's so maybe it allows you to like not let perhaps the person who has the lead from day one not play the deck that they want to play or something like that i also thought maybe we could bid life totals i think that would be interesting Which i'm really into (laughs) yeah
1: i'll start with 23 yeah take that whatever (laughs) you know
0: totally (laughs) basically like bringing uh a blitz hero to the constructed (laughs) tournament so go ahead I'm really enjoying all
1: these quirky tournaments. I think maybe one time we should just have like, bring your best classic deck though. We could really test our metal.
0: Yeah, definitely. Um, a little bitter
1: at KO. <laughs> in case <you> couldn't tell. <laughs> well,
0: if you, the listener have a better idea for uh, a tournament we could run, that's a format like this, or prefer one of the two, then please let us know on Facebook at the attack action podcast at gmail.com com attack action podcast or on discord you can find me mr beefhammer or isaac is ejak and you can usually find him in the rune blade ch- ooh sorry ranger channel
1: yeah i don't hang out there
0: <laughs> with all the emo kids <laughs> <laughs> the rune blade emo kids all right isaac uh in this podcast you're the keeper of the notes so our main segment is going to be um kind of a new player's guide to flesh and blood. So how about you kick it off?
1: All right. uh, So let's just, uh, let's just give a general overview of the game, right? Like, and this game uh, functions a little bit differently than uh, quite a number of games that I'm aware of Mm -hmm. or I've played. Like, so let's just start. It's this game is more of a duel between two warriors in which you, get battered and bloody and muddy and fatigued by the end right this isn't a battlefield where you build your army and board state and have at each other right you instead trade blows in a a A duel yeah momentum shifts a little bit faster in this game do you want to elaborate on that at all
0: uh no i've i think you hit the nail on the head um you know that's up front what's much different. Um the other thing is like there are a lot of you know your equipment, your weapons, your uh hero start in play. Um and so that leads to uh those things, those combos that those maybe are leading to are telegraphed, right? So there's there's also a bit of bluffing involved in the game too. Right. Which is good.
1: Yeah. Um but uh, kind of a counterpoint is this game is like very much a chess match played with your whole deck, right? Mm-hmm. It's very easy to draw your hand and get very panicky facing a bunch of damage or just try to blow out your opponent. Yeah. But uh, or- in general, usually you see your whole deck in it. So it is very much a long, yeah, long it's a game. It's a
0: bit of a grind for sure. Yeah. So if you're someone who perhaps enjoys like a quicker game, Um, like star wars destiny those games are pretty quick um you can play blitz in this game yeah then you can then blitz is maybe your format but there's definitely a bit of like a grind in trying to um make uh really good small exchanges Right. right over the course of the game to kind of snatch back tempo and that sort of thing
1: yeah and this game definitely has the feel of a gritty duel
0: yeah, and you know, I think that's it's one very, of the.
1: It's pretty atmospheric that way. Yeah,
0: and it's, it's, I think, the appeal of the game, right? Is so something like Legend of the Five Rings is a real grinder, complex game, but is much less accessible than Flesh and Blood is. So you kind of get that um, long tactical feel, but have to, or don't have to. But you also get the joy of kind of getting the fast play and, um... right. This
1: isn't multiple battlefields yeah. and court plays and all that. It's the intimacy of a duel. Yeah, it's like Street Fighter. Yeah,
0: yeah. Okay. Um, all right. Well,
1: so so yep. where would a player start, right? Like, if you're just getting into this game and think it's awesome, you saw somebody play it, somebody convince you, whatever. Uh, what do you go by? Who do you go play, you
0: know? Right. Okay, so in an ideal world, right, you get whatever hero you think is the coolest. You get the starter deck. I'm not really sure. I don't think those are in print just yet before boxes of Welcome to Wraith are available. But if you can find a hero starter or all four of them from the Welcome to Wraith heroes, then uh, I recommend that. Um, Also, the free Ira decks, if you can find those, those are great. Um, I'm not sure if Fab Foundry has them in stock, but he has made his own like starter decks. For... I have an Ira
1: deck. I'd send some to somebody. If oh they want. yeah,
0: hit us up. Just one though. Send us an email. But you get an Ira deck. Um, first come, first serve. But Fab Foundry has some uh, starter decks, um, and I think the only real difference is he's added in null rune equipment for a sideboard. Um, and you can get the visceri, the the arcane rising um, heroes also (laughs) and then the main difference is you don't get springboard somersault right Mm. which is a defense reaction that costs zero it's yellow it defends for two but if it's played from arsenal it gets plus two defense so defends for four um excuse you dog but instead i think he's put in like yellow sink belows or something like that so he might have those in stock and that might be a good way for you to get into the game as well all right so that's step one step two is if you're a single player you will probably want you know maybe two boxes gets you easily all of the classes all of the weapons and the majority of the cards you'll need to try out the game
1: yeah like a pretty solid collection to be able to try out multiple characters and have you know some good games,
0: but our our big seal of approval or stamp or whatever what we recommend the most highly is the um, Battle Bro method, which is if you you also have to be a bit lucky in this circumstance, um, but if you can convince three of your other friends to join you in this game, it makes it a much more cost effective and B gives you a little meta to play against. Right, right. So that's what we do. We have four um, players, and we all split every box. So a box is about eighty bucks, right? So it's yeah. twenty bucks a box per person.
1: And we each get like I get all the Ranger cards.
0: Yep, and I get all the Rune Blade cards, all the Warrior cards, right? And so you just split up the cards. The hard part, right, is the generics, right, which um, usually evens out uh, pretty well uh, after four boxes. So if each of you buys a box, then that, that gets you pretty close. And then um, you can fill out your decks with singles if you need to from then.
1: Right. And single generics, except for Majestics, are pretty, singles are pretty cheap.
0: Yeah. Right. Yeah, definitely.
1: And, um, you know, if there's only two of you and you're still going to play at your local game store or whatever, you can also, just two of you can take four characters each and the game still costs half as much. Yeah, totally. Um, and then later on, you can expand into more characters if you'd like. But this, uh, uh, with a game that has eight characters, um, it definitely makes it cheaper. And uh, this game, it's also very difficult to learn these characters and takes quite a bit of reps. So you would be very happy with two characters or four characters for a very long time. So don't worry about getting pigeonholed or whatever, It's there's a lot of content.
0: Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, so that's where I would start um, if I was a one person or was lucky enough to have three extra friends in the flesh and blood to play with. <laughs> um, so nice, then, you're nailing uh, them tonight. Oh, totally. Uh, on point. Uh, on point. Um, so then, Isaac, if you do use the Battle Bro method, um, which classes would someone choose or heroes excuse me oh you want um well one thing i would like to uh, say
1: first is when you buy those couple boxes or four boxes draft them
0: oh right of course i I can't believe i forgot yeah you should play limited first right Um, so you should seal and draft and that makes it so easy or much more easy to a get a grasp of the game and the flow but also you learn the cards right and that's the biggest part
1: and this, this game... Oh, sorry.
0: Well, just when you learn the cards, it makes it easier to deck build later.
1: Right. And this game is uh, is pitched and so far as delivered as being four players. Yeah. So there's uh, no power creep so far. Cards aren't just replacing older cards. And uh, there's less or no broken combos or super overpowered cards. So you're not just like card hunting in like limitless boxes right um that being said like so drafting is very enjoyable because most cards have a pretty good function
0: yeah definitely because and deserve to be learned yeah one of the best designs of the game is that a card you know pitches defends and then uh also has perhaps an attack or buffs an attack or something like that they all do three um things Right. Which is really great. Um, Gosh, I had an extra point, but my dog that is just walking around whining is throwing me off a little. (laughs) Uh, I don't know. We can come back to it at any point. You can splice it
1: in at the end if you want. That's true. the magic
0: of editing. All right. I remember what I was going to say. She's not down still, but. (laughs) We're, you know. All right, whatever. We're doing it. Yeah. This is the emergency pod, so we're going for it. Um, We're also recording, so you know. Right now? Yeah. Oh. (laughs) Um, I remember what I was going to say. Well, dog not reined in, so we're just keeping going. Still going. What were you going to say? So each class has a legendary piece of equipment. And so to fully recognize and unlock that class, you need that legendary, right? So if you're trying to be as competitive as possible, you're going to need to track down those. But if you are in a battle quartet as we are, right, and nobody has a legendary or somebody pulled a legendary and not everybody else did, you can just ban it and not play with it. The game is still just as fun and as tense and the decks are still nearly as good. Maybe a couple percentage points are better if you have that legendary but that's only at the highest levels so if you don't have let's say uh grasp of the Knight, right you can just run goliath gauntlets and it's pretty much the same thing you know right and uh fear not unlimited
1: release is now here so you don't have to collect these very expensive first edition cards you can play for much cheaper but i totally agree and on that same point i would argue so majestics are all, maybe not all, but pretty much all excellent. Yeah. In their role. Yeah. They're harder to play and more specific cards, right? Like the brute's best card is a common, not his majestic. Your right. deck isn't terrible without it, right? Right. So, you will find as you play your character, some majestics you will need, some you may not. You might need most of them depending on the character, but you can still collect all these cards and build decks and have a great competitive time without having to shell out a ton of money.
0: Yeah, uh, definitely. Especially since, like, it's pandemic times and, you know, you may or may not have um, local armory events or even Road to Nationals. Like, um, don't feel pressure because you see all of, like, of New Zealand, Taiwan, and Malaysia with the most competitive play. Right, you know? So, uh, you got time is what I'm saying. Yeah. So let's break down these classes into kind of a sentence or two. So people can maybe uh, have some more information to make a choice on which class is the right one for them.
1: Sure. Welcome to Wraith first.
0: Yep. Let's start with those four.
1: Okay. I'm going to start with Brute. Excellent. Because I play Brute. Um, the Brute has a uh, intimidate mechanic. Sure. where you intimidate cards out of your opponent's hand while they're trying to defend. So they have less choice of what to defend with and less total defensive power. The flip side to that is they draw all those cards back up at the end of their defense and can then use them against you.
0: Um, so what? The, how would you classify that style of play that s- Brute kind of leans towards the most out of the box?
1: Uh, so he... It feels like a very aggressive, just whomping your opponent style, mm-hmm. but he's a he's a thoughtful brute. It takes <laughs> it takes like timing and uh, good decision making and picking your window because you're not an all out aggressive class. You have to play carefully and then just unleash the claws or whatever. Right. So, um, so none of these classes are uh, just like a stupid brute. They're they're all very. There's a lot to unlock here. Yeah, um, but yeah, the brute definitely gives that feel. Yeah, of a just relentless, intelligent, just savage beatdown. It's excellent. Cool. If that appeals to you, that's your. This is your man. <laughs> <laughs> Great. All right, let's do. Who do you want to go for first?
0: Well, I'll do warrior. Yeah. Um. So warrior. Um. What appealed to me was the fact that Dorinthia is all about her sword. As a young lad. I wanted nothing more than to be some sort of hero with a sword. So she's attacking with the sword. She's stabbing you with the sword. It's all about the sword. But it's also all about bluffing. And um, you use a lot of attack reactions. So you're bluffing to your opponent like, okay, do you have a defense reaction or not? Because if you don't, I'm going to blow you out. And if you do, I'm also going to try to bait that out and then have like a bigger turn later. Right, so you're you're trying to bluff your opponent and make them make the wrong decision and punish them for that.
1: Totally, you're a duelist. Yeah. Oh, you blocked too big, sidestep and
0: yeah. stab. Yeah. Boom! Here's a here's an attack that's not the sword, sucker. Or it's just like the sword again, sucker. Yeah. Or <laughs> yep, I didn't have anything, but made you commit more cards than you needed to. Oh yeah, which is also excellent. Yeah. So that's what the warrior's about. Boom! Back to you. Uh, ninja
1: is uh so any of these characters or most characters you can play at different speeds right so there's like very defensive pick your moments prick them to death ninja but in general the ninja is a pretty aggressive go wide play right. multiple attacks in a turn um, combo based class he plays martial arts combos like uh, I don't know Leg tap, rising knee thrust, blackout kick. Right. So if you want to play, you know, increasingly
0: lethal combos to murder your opponent, (laughs) the ninja is for you. If you're a person who likes to play a lot of cards and draw cards and play them, then ninja is the way to go.
1: Yeah, definitely. All right,
0: guardian. Guardian. So if you're someone who likes to create a brick wall that your opponent can neither chop down nor climb over, then the Guardian is the class for you. Um, They play really defensively, they pick their moments, and then they set up these like massive crushing turns where they hit you with a big attack with Dominate, which means you can only defend with one card from hand, and it usually has some sort of nasty hit effect that goes along with it if it deals... A minimum of four damage. Yeah. So if that's if that's your style, then Guardian's the one for you.
1: The Guardian's also like a either a Robin Hood or a knight in shining armor, kind of depending on the yeah. But, totally um, it, that that style character, kind I of guess. larger than life, yeah, type of thing.
0: Yeah. Um, so let's move in quickly to the Arcane Rising heroes. So how about you start again?
1: Okay. Um, so the Ranger is a uh, pretty classic Ranger. Um, She fires arrows out of her bow, Um, which you, they made a really cool mechanic firing, (laughs) firing arrows out of her arsenal is the only way you can do this. And it uh, works very well. You, there's go wide rangers or there's sniper rangers. And uh, it's a very, what do you mean by go wide and sniper? So go wide, you can fire a lot of little arrows quickly, or you can fire one tall, dominated, crippling hit effect arrow big into arrow. their face. One big arrow. Yeah. Um, graphic. <laughs> oh, oh, sorry, I got carried away. Lost. It's just a lot of fun. Must be the wine. Um, but the ranger, uh, ranger, wizard, and viscerai are a little bit underpowered, or more difficult to pilot, Both. at least. Both. So, um... But don't get discouraged. Pick the class that's for you. You yeah. can get you can get plenty of wins. Yeah, you know I've like beat all the overpowered characters with
0: Ranger before. You know it's like not the like game's do. very well balanced.
1: Yeah. All right. Sorry.
0: Um. Boom. Viserai. My guy. The Runeblade. Um. That's my favorite class. So um. He's a bit harder to describe. If if you're a person who likes kind of two running, um. Resources at the same time, (laughs) then viscerize for you. You you build up what are called rune chants that then uh, deal damage at a later turn. Um, But along with that too allows you to play out much more combos off of having built up rune chants or dealing rune chant damage and that sort of thing. So if you're kind of like if you like combos, setting up combos, then that's maybe the way to go. Or if you're just kind of into like metal or darth vader or darkness or the color black and purple then viscerize also for you
1: totally sword wielding magic dark magic totally casting. another another sword, tough. sword guy
0: tough. he is. yeah And scary <laughs> <laughs> all right boom and then i pass the mic back to you
1: um okay i'll cover uh the wizard sure right is uh one of the most powerful characters in blitz and one of the least powerful in standard just but meta based sure um he plays obviously he casts magic doesn't wield a sword so he plays kind of outside the uh realm of physics that everybody else is playing in. <laughs> i yeah. mean he you can uh, after your opponent plays out their cards you can uh, burn them down first before their sword hits resolve. You just melt them into the ground. Yeah. So if this is appealing to you, the wizard is for you. He's full of instants, starts with less life, and uh, very tricky. Maybe the most difficult, well, I don't know. The three underwhelming characters are also the most (laughs) difficult to pilot, I would say. I,
0: I think also the wizard right on the surface is like a burn deck, right? But I think there's a large caveat in there that it's a burn deck that takes patience. Because you start with a 30 health compared to 40. So you have to kind of bide your time a little bit more to really release the Aether onto your opponent. Right. I don't know why I thought that was funny. <laughs>
1: All right, uh, so last character to cover.
0: Is Mechanologist. So the Mechanologist is like, if you're just into the steampunk theme and aesthetic, then Mechanologist is for you. Yeah, um, or
1: if you like cocaine in The Matrix. Or, <laughs> yeah, totally. You know. Going
0: really fast. <laughs> um, there's also you know, been a variety of ways to play Mechanologist, but in general, um, it's the only class that gets to have as close to permanence on the board as you can get. Um, So she gets items that you play out in that um, do something, right? Some beneficial thing for you turn after turn, right? Right. So if you're someone who likes to kind of build up a bigger board state, um, then maybe the mechanologist is for you also. Right. And the beauty of all
1: these characters um, or most of them at least is that you can play them, control or aggro or however and some some are stronger or something but um they're very versatile pick the character you love to play you know
0: yeah definitely and that's what we all did um and it's working out uh really well so all right isaac tonight you're the keeper of the notes so what's next on the list
1: all right let's dive into some game mechanics okay all right great um cards do three things in this game yep Don't correct. Basically three things. Yeah. They do Um, a
0: variety of things. Right. There we go. So
1: we'll start with pitching.
0: Sure. Right. Do you want to start that off? Yeah. Okay. So every card, except for a select one or few, I can only think of Gorgonian Tome, which all it does is draw a card. It doesn't pitch. doesn't cost anything. doesn't block for anything. And all it does is draw a card. That may be the only one. And then if your opponent's... Have played it and it's in anybody else's graveyard you get to draw that many more cards
1: oh you're telling them about graveyard. yeah totally okay well what about the rest of the cards <laughs> the rest game? of
0: the cards <laughs> all have a pitch value so either red yellow or blue and that's one two or three resources right so to pay for your turn you need to pitch resources
1: and this makes the game so you have a four card hand potentially one in arsenal and so some of these cards you're going to
0: have to pitch to pay for the other cards Mm -hmm. or other functions yep definitely and the added part to that or the extra spice that makes this decision much more um, interesting is that when you pitch a card it goes to the bottom of your deck at the end of your turn right right so you don't just discard cards that you use for resources you discard cards you play so when you pitch a card it goes to the bottom so what that does is you could, A, set up a killer turn late game versus your opponent, or in the um, situation where you're trying to win now, not later, you could find yourself in a situation where the threat density left in your deck is um, has a lot to be desired, is a lot weaker. And your opponent might be... have been pitching more potent cards and outpace you in the very last legs of the game
1: right because uh cards directly so red cards that pitch for one do far more damage or have more potent effects than blue cards that you know so and then yellow are in the middle right a blue card might pitch for three but then it gives your next attack plus one or something like that right you know they're pretty underwhelming So like Taylor said, you could even pitch red cards to see them late game or pitch select blue cards or however you will. And there's two scenarios. If you have a card in your deck that shuffles your deck, then it won't be exactly in that order. Right. If you do not, then you will see the card you pitched first, first as you cycle through your deck. But even if you shuffle your deck... Most games get down to a small deck at the end that you see the end game. So even if you shuffle your deck, those cards you pitch are in there in higher density.
0: Right, exactly. So that's something to be uh, aware of constantly. And it takes um, skill and time, right? Like I think both of you and I have the um, proclivity to want to kind of win now mentality. Yeah. You know, so in our early games of flesh and blood, it's just like this card does less damage. Pitch it, attack with the red ones. You oh, know? totally.
1: Then at the end of the game, you don't even realize you're seeing them your deck. And <laughs> yeah. you, you're you like, "What? God, another dog <laughs>
0: shit turn. What's happening? <laughs> yeah, <You know>? totally. <laughs> um, so uh, keep that in mind as you're playing in your games.
1: That said, uh, you know, blues are pretty underwhelming. They're your resource cards, right? They're not in there to be played. They're in there to be pitched. For the most part. Yeah. But you need them to function in a pinch
0: or towards the end. Yeah. I think that is maybe, and I don't, I know this is off the cuff here, perhaps not in the flow of the notes, the ink on the paper, (laughs) some sort of poetic metaphor or something. Well, Um, that was
1: definitely not in the notes.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I think one of the biggest things to learn in this game is how to deck build. And I think two of the biggest tips are centered around blues. So I think, one, you should pick the best blues. And so what I mean by that is you should pick a blue card to pitch that does the most things, right? So if it's an attack card that has a, a, a good attack, right, even though it's a blue Or it has a potent effect, even though it's blue. So um, something that comes to mind, right, is a Crucible card, Dauntless, for the Warrior. The blue one only gives your weapon uh, plus one. But no matter what color it is, defense reactions cost one extra resource for your opponent to play. And then it defends for three. So that's a good example of a blue that has a really good effect that'll help... Um, your weapon out in, right. it, in, in the warrior deck. So you should build out from there, right? So you should figure out potentially how many blues you need and you should pick the ones that do the most. And then if you need more blues, then you need to pick in like a certain ranking order, right? If they're a very narrow specific blue, um, such as maybe like sometimes attack reactions, like a blue razor reflex only gives your weapon plus one, or your attack action card plus one and go again is much harder to pull off than the red one. So it's maybe right. less of a good candidate as a blue. Right.
1: You want a blue that, I mean, 90, 95%, whatever of the time you're pitching it to pay for things. But if you don't draw it with another blue or whatever hand, if it functions in a pitch, pinch, that's, right. uh, yeah, that's
0: what you're looking for. And then the my other point about blues is that a good way to think about your overall deck is when you have a hand of four cards and you have one blue how many things could you do with one blue card right so that makes right. makes your deck a little bit more efficient also i mean yellows may function as your blues if
1: you're running a really cheap deck And the numbers or effects or whatever on yellows add up way more than, you know, yellows may be your resource. Yes,
0: totally. So those are our two big tips is how many things can I do with one blue and blues are your resources and should do as many other things as possible, right? Right. I guess the third final tip on that, just since we're here, this might be also out of order, but when you create your deck and there's a chance to sideboard cards in or out, you should not sideboard in or out blues. Right. Your don't, blues should be the most static card in your deck. Don't change your cost curve. Yeah, exactly.
1: Um, so uh, for my mind, like in Ranger, I well, it's cards in and out. But anyway, um, like Whisper Blue, mm-hmm. uh, Pitches for three, Blocks for three, and Ops two. So for me, that does three things.
0: Cost zero. Yeah, cost zero.
1: The effect is slightly underwhelming, but the fact that it blocks for three also is excellent. Yeah. Segway to blocking.
0: Oh, nice. What are you, a host of a podcast? (laughs) I'm learning. Know how to segue? (laughs) I'm getting it. Not just a weird instrument you (laughs) ride on the sidewalk? No, this is a way better segue. Um, All right, let's talk about
1: blocking. So the second thing cards do... Almost every card except for potions or a tome
0: block. Yep. Yeah. Um, so most cards block for three, um, which is important because, as the in the reverse here, attacking player, right? Um, an attack for four is that much better than an attack for three because you could efficiently block an attack for three with just one card. But an attack for four requires two cards potentially to take zero damage. Or an attack for six, you can block with two cards efficiently. Yeah, exactly. Um, So what's important to note about blocking is that when you block, you also take away from your offensive turn. So when you're on the defensive You should be doing a bit of a mental math that if I lose this card and if their damage happens to be this amount, how much can I deal back, right? So if it's less than your opponent who's attacking you, you should perhaps just block more and attack less.
1: Right. Don't just take damage to then have your okay turn just because it seemed cool. Yeah.
0: There's no use in taking 10 damage if you're only going to deal six, right? Right. That's not an efficient exchange.
1: Also, a mistake I made early on was uh, blocking for three doesn't seem like that much more than blocking for two, but it's huge. Right? Yeah. And there's times if you're playing with an aggro deck where, in theory, you're like, I'm never going to block, I'm just going to damage race. You'll be in positions where you're going to pitch three block for two cards to block six damage because of their deadly hit effect or whatever. So... The weight of a card blocking for three versus two is pretty huge. A lot of decks need a lot of block for twos, but its I can't stress the importance <laughs> of weighing that Yeah, for a
0: card. Um, there's a few other nuances to blocking, right? So equipment also blocks, um, but using your equipment at the right time or trying to save it for as long as possible is uh, kind of a generally good tip. Because your equipment, when you block with your equipment, it should be on a turn where you're going to have a big turn. You got a really good card in arsenal. You got the um, perhaps a potion out also, and you have at least three out of the four cards in your hand that you would like to see in a really big play, right? So that's that's a good opportunity to use your equipment there, or late game when your health totals are a lot lower and you can hold on to more cards by blocking with your equipment. Um, The other thing I want to say about blocking is kind of more related to tempo, which we can touch on again when we talk perhaps about tempo and um, the pace of the game. Um, But there's a real um, want in your human lizard brain to just block with the defense reaction from hand. Right, rather than arsenaling it at the end of your turn. Right, So what will put you much more ahead in a game is if you use those other cards in your hand to block your opponent's turn, even if it's you have four cards in hand, no card in arsenal, and you can block with three cards from hand for a total of nine, and then arsenal that defense reaction that defends for four for free, on your next turn when you defend, you are now slightly ahead, right? Right, you have a five-card hand with a good defense card, yeah. at least one. Mm-hmm. So you can regain a little bit of tempo by being able to play an extra defending card to be able to hold on to a card to then swing back and either deal some damage or get some cards out of your opponent's hand. So right. I, th- I think that's really important. Even when perhaps there are opportunities when you have a defense reaction in an arsenal and one in hand, just play the one from Arsenal and then try to get that other defense reaction in there at the end of your turn because that'll help you also regain some of your your lost tempo or keep tempo even.
1: Um, the last point about blocking I want to make is you can and are allowed to overblock. We'll get into attack reactions in a minute. Yep. But if you think your opponent may have an attack reaction to push damage over the top and maybe a deadly hit effect, you can block with as many cards as you want. Yep. Taylor swings for two, I block for eleven. <laughs> you know doesn't matter. Yeah, totally. on the flip. Good bluff. Side of, <laughs> on the flip side of that, um, as the attacker, you may play an attack card and have a resource floating and be threatening an attack reaction, bluffing or not, and forcing your opponent to make the decision whether they want to overblock or risk having damage and a hit effect through
0: um yeah speaking of attack reactions i think that's an early play i did not learn how to be better at right is and it's a product of my opponents not knowing how to block correctly right so if you on your defensive turn right the defense step of your turn called no defense right you might have an unmovable which let's say you have unmovable yellow which right? blocks for a lot blocks for six and from arsenal blocks for seven costs three um and then i am attacking you for four and i have uh, an attack reaction that pumps it for three right i go oh great no defense cards and then i play my reaction because it's my reaction step and then you blow me out with a unmovable right i've really lost that turn
1: yeah wasted your reaction yeah
0: so it would be sometimes it's better to pass your first reaction step and see what your opponent is going to do so if you do play that unmovable you have shut down my turn and are maybe calling my bluff that you can't play more than seven damage right now right which depending on time and in the game is either a good play for me the attacker or a good play for you you shut down my turn clog up my hand or i got your defense reaction out of your arsenal and i'll blow you out later in the turn right Right. i feel like a lot of this game
1: is always just weighing damage through now or hit effect Mm -hmm. versus card or tempo
0: advantage next turn yeah. Or whatever. Yeah, you know. definitely. Definitely. All right, what do you got next on the note list, um, note master? Well, just card functions
1: is the third third things cards do, right? Like there's attacks oh, and right. non-attack actions, Yeah, um, which are both actions. There's a instance, and then there's attack or defense reactions, right? right? Which we don't have to get too deep into all that. You can look up the rules. Yeah, there. let's
0: just briefly touch on attacks and just kind of their the values that are more valuable like numbers wise yeah correct yeah Yeah. so how about you touch on that a little
1: uh so since most cards block for three an attack for four is great right especially with a threatened hit effect but even not if they block with one card you get a damage through in that same vein an attack for seven goes -hmm. over the top of just two cards blocking um and a little more complex scenario, but that comes up, uh, a number I've really appreciated lately is 8 because uh, a lot of arrows buffed hit for 8, which means that one defense reaction for 4 and one regular card for 3 don't block it, All right? So when countering defense reactions, 5 and 8 are also pretty good numbers, but I would say 4 and 7 is what you're looking for. You know, that's the sweet spot. If you, if you swing in an attack for four with a hit effect, that's like a real problem for your opponent because most of the time they're going to have to pitch or discard two cards to block that.
0: Right. I think uh, the inverse of that is true too, that an attack for one is sometimes uh, just as powerful. Um, So what comes to mind is the ninjas Kadachis, right? So you basically have to spend two resources to attack twice for one each with the Kadachis, But what that says to your opponent is like, do you want to spend your card that defends for three on this measly one? Right. right. So you're more likely to get perhaps damage through over the course of the game in right. that circumstance. And then Kadachis are amazing
1: because they're not very cost effective damage wise, right. right? One resource for one damage. But it allows the ninja to go very wide, and uh,
0: playing against the ninja, you're going to be
1: full of kadachi
0: holes yeah, by the end. They add up, so that's um, something else to note. Right, that you can attack. That's a, a lower value that still makes your opponent maybe not want to give up those cards, right? Because it's an inefficient use of blocking.
1: And um, I'm just going to go over this mechanic really briefly. If you have any questions, there's tons of resources. You can look it up.
0: But um, basically... Or you can you... email us at theattackactionpodcast at gmail.com.
1: Oh, sure. We'll send you a whole book on it.
0: Actually, <laughs> if, you, if you've if you been listening this far and you were like, yeah, I want to get that free Ira deck. If you are the first person to email us, theattackactionpodcast at gmail.com, the Ira deck's yours. Yeah. There it is. Sealed. (laughs) Done. It's not even open. Boom. Also the deal. (laughs) Oh, Oh, okay. Yeah, it's sealed. Not even opened. Got it. Um, Oh,
1: but I was just going to lay out really quick. So when you... For the flow of the game, you move faster than this. But when I play an action, then it is Taylor's turn to play something. Right. If he passes, then it's my turn. I pass. The action resolves. Same with an attack. I play an attack. You can play a defense. You pass... Then It's my turn to play an attack reaction, your turn to play a defense reaction. Mm-hmm. Cards resolve and play moves forward anytime we both pass in a row. Yeah, instants can be played in any window but need to be played in a window, right? So I play an attack reaction, you play a defense reaction, I pass, you play an instant, yeah, and then those cards in that stack resolve, right, in reverse yeah. order, yeah. Um, so Again, there's like, I'm sure there's graphs or, you know, illustrations online that you can figure this out, but it's, you know, it's a little bit different mechanic than some games operate. Yeah, totally.
0: And we'll be teaching a a $2,000 webinar um, in January on reaction steps, timing, and that sort of thing. Uh, Sign up now, non-refundable. In Aspen. Yeah, in Aspen. Via helicopter. Via yeah. I don't, you know, why not? Yeah, totally. Webinar <laughs> in a physical place. Perfect. Great business plan. All right, what's next, Notes Master? All right, let's just, because uh, Arsenal is a bit unique in this
1: game, let's uh, just tell them what Arsenal is.
0: Okay, so Arsenal is a specific zone right behind your hero that you can save a card at the end of your turn to play at a later turn. And the key word there is play. So any card you put in Arsenal cannot be pitched. Or defend with unless it is a defense reaction.
1: Right. Yeah. Um, so there's a couple things you have to learn about Arsenal. Uh, I'm going to start with my first um, thing I learned about it is uh, you will be tempted to draw your power awesome play that's like really hard to play, like Alpha Rampage or whatever. Like, um, And you will be tempted to draw it in a turn and be unable to pull it off but be like okay i'll save that for later and so play your turn and then save that card to the end and arsenal it that's well maybe sometimes not but a lot of times a pretty big mistake because then in subsequent turns you'll be blocking and playing out the game not the dream right and be unable to play that card whereas if you arsenal simple attack buffs defense reactions easy to play cards free cards then you will be constantly using and moving through a five-card hand rather than having a card stuck in
0: your arsenal because you cannot discard a card out of arsenal. You have to play it out. Yeah, yeah. so you definitely want to put a card there that you can play nine times out of ten. And in a game where the importance of building your deck around a whole strategy because you're going to see all of those cards and getting to cycle through as many cards as you can to be able to get to your strategy your win condition etc um saving your power combo card in there for many many turns is inefficient use of that space right right
1: I'll i will also say there's something to be said for weighing like damage through or something happening now versus saving it right yeah so if it's my turn and i'm dealing four damage to you and i have a buff then I can decide, you know, I used to just always choose more damage now, but then sometimes it might be better to arsenal that last card
0: and have a more potent turn later. Yeah, definitely. Because the game is played in spikes and you should also be thinking about like, can I have a bigger turn later, right? So if you're still, if you're doing an attack for let's say seven or eight, and you could hold on to a card to then perhaps have a similar or bigger turn later, then you should do that because that'll keep tempo in the game for you and hopefully keep you ahead. Okay. Um, that being said, of course, like these are general tips and there is some nuance to a lot of things, um, especially in my Rune Blade build. Sometimes I will be at a point in the game where I have a mountain of rune chance and I need to get rid of those rune chants. So perhaps like an Arc Knight Ascendancy or a Slogism um shows up in my hand and I'm trying to pull off a really big play and it's about time for that to happen. So I will maybe arsenal one of those combo cards. But um that's a more advanced maneuver in an advanced situation. Um Arsenal is a great mechanic
1: in this game. Oh, totally.
0: It's one of the things that makes it shine. Okay. All
1: right. Next, on to maybe the most important topic of this podcast and the game, Tempo.
0: Oh, yeah. We've been talking about that kind of offhandedly quite a bit. Yeah. It's unavoidable. Um, (laughs) So this game, as it is a duel,
1: and again, there's uh, less board state or no board state, um... Cards you play
0: have an effect this turn. Well, there's a board state, but there's not like ramp, right? right so right. you're not building a giant board of creatures and generals and that sort of thing. Right, you're not
1: right. building your army. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The most you get is like a potion, right? <laughs> um, so cards you play are their effect is going to happen this turn and. Next turn, because of the momentum shift, yeah, right, yeah. So, uh, momentum can shift a lot, and it really matters, um, when you are on the defense, when you decide to take some damage to have more cards to play to pressure your
0: opponent, etc. Do you want to jump in here? And, uh, yeah, it's you know, you don't regain tempo in one giant swing, sometimes you do. But it's also made up of tiny, efficient exchanges over the course of two or four turns, right? Where you can slowly kind of build a bit of a board state by continually having a card in arsenal, perhaps playing out a potion that makes it easier to still defend with a card and have resources uh, to attack with, right?
1: Right. And these can be as small as, like, if your opponent has a lackluster turn and you get to save one card to swing back with your weapon, then they're taking damage or blocking with one of their cards. Right. Or um, an example you brought up is if you choose to, if you get that small window or you even choose to take a little bit of damage to arsenal a defense reaction. Or maybe you're arsenaling an attack buff. Or something just to... Then you have a card in arsenal. The next turn you're playing with five cards. Still on the full defensive. Right? Otherwise, the bigger turns are... Maybe your opponent has a bad hand and you choose to take eight damage to have a five-card hand against them. Yeah. But you better be swinging for For, a lot. For more than eight. Because they
0: can... Well, you gain momentum, but they're able to block most of that damage. Yeah. So it should be... You know, if you're going to take... Uh, an amount of damage right it, it should be in a situation where on this next turn you're going to be much more ahead right so you might not do eight damage you might do three but your opponent needed to use all four of their cards so they do not get an attack their next turn right so then that gives you another window to then draw back up and attack them again and strip more cards and deal a little bit more damage. And if you're behind in life, allows you to close that gap. And if you're ahead, allows you to widen that gap.
1: Right. So if you decide to aggregate take three damage but gain momentum, you have to decide that that's worth it in the moment, right? So if I take eight to then deal five to you and strip all your cards, then I
0: have to decide that that's worth it, right? Right. Yeah exactly Um, I think you know there's a really great interview with Matt Rogers on the Session Blood podcast and he talks about how um, in the national tournament in New Zealand at one point he took 17 damage and his life total went down to I think 9 or something but he had kind of a situation where he would be able to even though the life total was really wide, if his opponent were to take all of it, it would be a much more narrow margin, and he had a really big defense reaction in Arsenal to shut down his opponent's next turn and then also deal a big turn after that. So then his opponent is in a situation where he unfortunately took a lot of damage because of the gap, but then had to lose cards in hand to maintain that, and then now um matt rogers is just really far ahead in terms of tempo
1: right and uh like you alluded to a little bit the uh these shifts are can be very small right like yeah you can you can do your weapon swing to strip a card out of their hand then you're on the defensive again and then you can shift to a place where you're both defending with two cards attacking with two cards for a moment yeah or they can be bigger swings. Yeah. Um, next. Um, so uh, I'd like to talk about, I think of the game in four phases. Yeah, overall. this is a
0: battle bro theory. Yeah. yeah. Well, I,
1: I don't know. <laughs> I think everybody's thinking this, but this is like how I describe it. Right. Sure. I think of the game, uh, a standard game, not a blitz game, um, in about four phases. This is all about. But, so the first phase, right, is like 40 health down to 26 health, whatever. Yeah. Um, it, your life doesn't really matter much, right? You're just trying to have good exchanges. Mm-hmm. And maybe take some damage to, like, set up your board state however well you can or gain some advantage, right? Pressure your opponent. Maybe get them to use their best cards, while you just defend with whatever cards. Right. right? It doesn't matter much. Um, Then from maybe 25 health down to 13 health about. It's kind of the same ball game, but you're trying to avoid getting knocked down into the next window, right? So you still have a chunk of life to trade for momentum or damage or hit effects or whatever. Right. But you, your number of trades is getting limited, right? Yeah. Like you, you may be able to do this one or two more times because the next two phases, you're forced to play differently. If your opponent attacks you with enough damage to kill you, you must defend, right? So you're trying to avoid getting into that range. So anyway, 25 to 13, whatever, uh, you need to choose these exchanges wisely because you only have one or two left. Yep. Right. Um, and jump in whenever. No, comes. you're doing it. This is right. your... Um, so then maybe, you know, 12 to 6 life. Thesis. This is your <laughs> thesis. That's the word I was looking for. Maybe like 12 to 6 life. you, uh, I mean, you maybe still have a trade. But you're, you're in the kill zone here, yeah. almost, or pretty much, right? Like, right. intimidate, dominate, kadachis, all of these things start hitting really hard. You don't want to be in this area. But you can trade your life and get knocked into this window to then hit your opponent harder and get them down further. The Just the big thing here is you are no longer allowed to play the game you want. You must defend. When your opponent puts the pressure on, so it becomes a lot more difficult. Those big, sure, I'll take eight damage, and now huge power plays are like no longer viable. Your deck has to perform with blocking with three cards or blocking with two cards. Yep. And then down lower, you know, one to five health or whatever. I mean, you're gonna die. (laughs) You have to block all of their damage. That's the fourth phase. You hope they get a bad hand. or you you just you make one tricky play you know you're on your heels and you're unable to play you you can't play as well as the rest of the game right like
0: and the only way it's even is if your opponent is in that same phase of the game also right. right to where if you play a let's say scar for a scar that costs zero attacks for four gets go again if you have less life right right Um, That could be the last card you have and you attack your opponent and if they were to take that damage, maybe they're at one, right? If they have five health or something like that. So um, that's the only circumstance in which being in that fourth phase um, is like not a death sentence. Right. (laughs) Yeah. And
1: what what we're talking about is your life as a resource this whole time, right? Because it's... It is. The entire time you're paying amount of resources and an amount of life to be able right. to do yeah. these different things yeah. up until the end when it's no longer available. All you have is your blocking and your resources and your options become a lot more limited. Yeah,
0: And so that's I think that's the big takeaway is that like in a lot of card games, your life is a resource. Right. So um, I think a good example in magic is sometimes you know you can watch a game and life total matters a little less right you could be at seven health and your opponent's still at 18 but you're just board presence is so massive that you're 100 percent ahead and you're like totally fine with that low life total and the opposite is a true in flesh and blood right you have no hope if your opponent is like at 30 health and you're at seven right right um so your life is a resource Um, But definitely has a cap as the game goes on, right? Yeah. You only have a few of these swings. Yeah, totally. So you can use it early, right? Um, But using it late, you really got... That's where a lot of skill, I think, comes in. Right. Yeah. Which you will use it late, still. Going from four health down to one
1: and then winning. But uh, those decisions matter a lot more than going from 34 health down to 31 health. Yeah, definitely.
0: yeah okay what's uh what do we got coming up here um i've written down uh like speeds or
1: styles of play do you want to talk about that or have we kind of covered like control mid-range
0: aggro yeah i think perhaps we could save that um for maybe another podcast i you know we're at basically an hour 20 minutes right now so okay well, yeah. one thing I will say about that. Of
1: course. We don't have to describe all the <laughs> all the things. But um, yeah. um it is important so those different play styles I mentioned um, are
0: very different, but it is important to know when to shift roles oh, within a great. game. That's a great point. And when uh and what your role is in a certain matchup, too. Right. That's yeah. what I was gonna say. Like
1: yeah. in your in a matchup your role might be aggro and in another matchup, it may be defensive. So both shifting within a game and sitting down at the table against a certain opponent.
0: Yeah, definitely. Um, and that's, I see you have written down to piloting and that has a lot to do with knowing, um, who you are in the matchup and who you are in the moment also. And, 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 um, those sort of things come with just like more experience piloting your deck against other decks and that sort of thing. Right. And these characters are also different that the
1: matchups are also different. Yeah. You definitely. have to behave very differently. In in, all of them. And
0: flesh and blood is a real game of skill. You know um, the analogy is like, you know, a, a good player can win with a bad deck, but a bad player can't win with a good deck. Yeah. Which is totally true. You know, yeah. which is really, really um, apparent once you kind of, peel back the layers of the uh, onion, as it were. All right. I'm just going to uh, explain what sideboarding is really quick
1: because it's a bit confusing. Oh, sure. Uh, That's a great, great tip. Okay. So in this game, uh, I guess Blitz first. Blitz, you get a 40-card deck. No wiggle room. 40 cards exactly. Two copies of each card. Correct. Um, You may have two copies blue of a card and two copies red of a card. That's what we mean by that. Yep. So you get four, a forty-card deck, and you get six or a twelve equipment and/or weapons to choose from, right? So you can bring multiple armors and swap them in and out for the match. In classic constructed, you have a minimum deck size of sixty cards, and a maximum of eighty cards for your deck and weapons and equipment. So if you run one weapon and four pieces of gear, that means your deck size has a max of 75. If you bring null runes or optional weapons or whatever, then your total number of deck cards goes down. So you show up at a match, you choose any cards you want to take out at that point
0: and sit down. Which you're not taking out your blues. So if you're running blue unmovable, it better be a part of every deck. Right, right. Or you have enough blues anyway, for some reason. For some reason, sure.
1: Extra blues is pretty terrible. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Was that pretty clear? Do you want to?
0: Yeah, no, that's uh, super clear and um, makes a lot of sense and is a good tip when deck building, right? So that's another reason, another uh, check mark next to your whole deck strategy, right? Right. Is all of these things together, right? right? We're not playing, oh, Roulette. Here's these four cards. Wonderful. Or curses. Why did I get these four cards? Yeah. Doesn't it's like, well,
1: matter. It's part of the overarching picture. Yeah.
0: You put those in there. So they're in there for a reason.
1: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's why they're there. Um, so the last thing I wanted to talk about, which you like already mentioned, is just like how this game is about piloting, right? right? Like, so as we mentioned at the beginning, um, if you just put together either our one of our Ranger Viscerai decks and try to play it, You're not going to win, right? Which is true of most things. You have to learn how to pilot your deck and tinker with
0: it and make it better. Um, And and with that too, like because piloting matters, your play style and preference matters too, right? Right. Um, So I don't particularly like running red unmovables in my viscerai build because I feel like that card's a little bit too narrow. So I like the yellow ones, which feels good enough. and. The blue ones are a bit um, too—I uh, ha- I would have to have them in in every matchup, and I don't want them in every matchup, right? So right. that's like my little bit of spice on the control viscerai build. I mean, there's a few other spices. I run a lot of one-ofs, but anyway, I've tailored the deck to my play style within um, right. the and deck constraints. When
1: you're trying a new build, you're going to have to— tinker your piloting
0: as well as your cards yeah right yeah so we have a good rule of thumb that like we don't really change our decks so if you come to the table with a new build um, we try to play it two or three times before we change anything because perhaps we have like a pretty good idea or that card you thought is garbage in the other two games is actually like pretty good it might stay in just you need a little bit more information which is for sure time consuming and it definitely feels better to just be like, ah, fuck these cards. Let's throw them out. Put these other ones in. (laughs) Didn't work that one time. Yeah, totally. So, um, keep that in mind as well. Um, so I have a couple examples of
1: piloting I'm going to share really quick. Sure. Um, so for my characters, the first one I thought of for brute is if you draw like an average hand or whatever, it's not, you can try to swing as hard as you can or make it work, but, A good example of a good play is if you play a barraging beat down, which gives you a bonus unless your opponent blocks with two cards from hand. It intimidates for one, and then you pitch a card to swing your claw or club, right? And then you have a third card, you arsenal. So then they must block with two cards out of hand or take some damage and you've arsenaled a card to set up a bigger turn. This isn't a very big turn for you, but it probably strips them of two cards and you arsenal maybe an attack buff for next turn. Um, and that, you know, odds are you could have swung with more damage that turn, right? But I think that that's the correct play. Um, I also thought of, for instance, Azalea, the ranger, really benefits from having a card in her arsenal this turn. So say I'm swinging with an arrow for eight dominate, and I could play a Foresight, which gives it plus three, ops two out of arsenal, to push three more damage through, right? And damage through has a lot of value. But you may instead decide to settle for however much got through and arsenal that buff so that next turn you may do all kinds of things because Azalea really benefits that way. Um, so. Like I said before, damage through now versus, uh, you know, whatever, advantage, board state, more cards in hand uh, later is something you're always going to have to weigh. But um, those are just two examples I thought of for my characters because the, the novice play is not that.
0: Right. Um, and I think, you know, I don't know. If this is in the same vein but it's just kind of feels like a tip right like that potions are the only cards really for every class that you can um play forward for later so it's like kind of the only thing that advances your board state but only um one time right so if you play energy potion at the end of your turn um it might feel like bah, bad turn but later you're gonna be like really thankful you have an energy potion or a strength potion yeah, or those turn. sort of things if you blocked
1: all their damage and played an energy potion
0: yeah you're like miles ahead yeah you know yeah um so yeah any uh, additional stuff you want to talk about um i mean that's the end of my list yeah i think that's good that's a ton of content that uh yeah players can mull over. A little shorter listen this time around. Do we want to... Yeah, and fill it up with something else. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm glad you mentioned that because we have our signature segments, Isaac. Oh, awesome. That's why the people are here. So every episode, um, we have three signature segments. Uh, Pick, Pass, Prey, which is a draft scenario game I like to play with Isaac. We also have a game from the closet where one of us... Um, Gives an elevator pitch for a board game that we like or card game, just any game. And then we also have Riddle Me This with Isaac, where he talks about how stupid he is and can't figure out cards.
1: Yep, exactly. Sorry, I haven't thrown a
0: dig at you like all episode, so I had to get one in here at the last minute. I mean, I would have a rebuttal, but I can't figure out this card, so. (laughs) Nice, nailed it. Okay, so our first segment is pick, excuse me, jeez. What was that segment? Oh, sorry. A fly flew into my mouth, so, you know, (laughs) or it's the wine, I don't know. Um, Pick, pass, pray. So the scenario is, it's a draft, and you have three cards left to pick one, pass one to your opponent, and pray that you get the other one back. Okay. So here are the three cards. First up, we have yellow Razor Reflex. Pitches for two, costs one, defends for two, and it's an attack reaction. And it reads, choose one. Target sword or dagger weapon gains plus two. Or, this is the other thing you can choose, target attack action card with cost one or less gains plus two. And, quote, if this hits, this attack gains go again. So that's card number one. Card number two is red Foresight, pitches for one, costs one, defends for two. It's a generic action. The next attack action card you play this turn gets plus three. If Foresight is played from Arsenal, opt two, meaning you get a look at the top two cards of your deck and you may put them on the top or bottom in any order. Go again. And the third and final card is rifting blue, pitches for three resources, costs two, defends for two, attacks for four. It's an attack action. If rifting hits, you may play your next non-attack action card this turn as though it were an instant. So Isaac, out of these three, which ones are you picking, passing, and praying that you get back?
1: All right, in a draft setting, I'm going to pick Razor Reflex. Okay. Okay. Because in my dream world, this card pitches and right. then is pretty potent at the end of the game. Yeah. When you can sneak damage through. Only blocks for two, but, you know, that's what I'm going for. Well, they all block for two, so. Oh,
0: <laughs> fair enough. They're all
1: generic. Um, I'm going to pray that Rifting comes back around. Sure. Because it's a blue. Yeah. right? So you need X amount of blues and even your draft deck. Mm-hmm swings for four which is pretty good and uh i mean my dream is playing it and then playing a potion after it but who knows if you'll draft that or who knows how many cards you will be viable for this right but i still think it's very versatile as a four attack yeah. effect mm-hmm. blue card um foresight i love red foresight in certain constructed uh opt is valueless <laughs> in certain decks <laughs> so you don't know if it's going to Right, do anything in your draft deck. All right, let's hear your counters.
0: Okay, so, excuse me. I'm going to pick rifting, right? I think that at an attack for four, it pitches for three. Um, There's a lot of value out of just those two things, and it has a really cool effect. Um, Because it's draft, my opponent might not realize that taking that one damage means that then I can play a non-attack action with go again to refresh my action point to then play perhaps another attack, right? So in that vein, right, I'm going to pick—or sorry, I'm picking rifting, and then I'm going to pray that Foresight comes back because now I've seen the combo. So um, I can play rifting. It hits— And then, as an instant, play Foresight with Go Again, and then play perhaps a free attack to follow that up.
1: Right, which is a neat little trick. Totally. If, as an instant, you play a a card with Go Again, then it keeps going again.
0: Right, exactly. And so, I'm going to also then pass um, Razor Reflex, because I might not have um, one-cost attacks to warrant it, or even a sword or dagger. So... Those are my choices.
1: All right. Let's hear about uh, not your favorite game, just any game you want to share with the world because we love a lot of games. We (laughs) love playing all kinds of board games.
0: That's so true. Um, So it's my turn to pick a game from the closet and I'm going to pick Inish, I-N-I-S. It is produced by Madigat Games. Um, They're a French company, but it's a game about uh, fantastical medieval Celtic times. Um, It's a dudes and dudettes on a map type of game um, where you are vying for control over areas and your armies are fighting against your opponent's armies and that sort of thing. Um, Kind of the, the main things that I really love about it are a, the art style is impeccable. Um, They're all, all the art in the game, except for, I think maybe two cards are original artworks from an artist like just from their catalog Um, and it's this beautiful um, like celtic knot vibrant colors um, type of art i think it's really really cool Um, the other thing i really like about it is that it every round starts with a draft which is really fun so there's a stack of action cards that you deal out to every player and then you have to draft those action cards for your actions for your turn, right? So you can perhaps see the board state and pick the card your opponent wants, or you um, can pick a cheeky card that's going to do something tricky that your opponent isn't going to uh, see coming, which is really important. And then the third thing I like is just kind of how pleasant and polite it is. It's very cutthroat and intense, but it has this politeness about it that you don't have to like beat the living shit out of your opponent to win you could just have like six people in six different places and win the game just be like we're just out here exploring these drippy plains (laughs) and this ocean (laughs) cliff over here and this mountain over here hey look i won right and in the same vein like when you have a battle with someone at the end of each player's turn, the other one can say, I would like to stop battling now. And you can both agree and then stop battling, which I think is just nice. excellent. So
1: nice. that- I'm, ti- I'm tired of losing soldiers. <laughs>
0: yeah. Please stop. <laughs> okay, you convinced me. Um, so that's Inish. I th- it's really, really good. And if you like you know, war games and that sort of thing, um, this is a really good game for you. Um, nice. So that brings us then to our final segment. R- it'll be this with Isaac.
1: All right, so in previous episodes I've had kind of random cards I can't figure out, but this is very uh, in theme with our last uh, our last tournament, right. So my card is uh, K.O., right the the brute Blitz character um, who, Starts with 19 health, one less than normal. And his ability is whenever you play an attack with power six or more, you roll a die. If you hit a one through four, that that attack's base power is halved. If you hit a five or a six, it's doubled. And this at face value is uh, just fine. You know, like you'll have more lackluster turns, but you'll have bigger blowout turns, <clears throat> which maybe matters more even. Um, I have just found that, in maybe in standard it would work or classic constructed, sure. Um, but in Blitz, your die rolls don't—you don't have enough time to have your die rolls even out, right? So you might only swing twice and might with both times. Um, my initial thought was to build a big attack, you know, potion of strength, energy potion, all that, and uh, have a big swing, and then Gamblers' Gloves, which one once per game allows you to re-roll a die and Mm -hmm. swing then but then that's only twice for once for three and odds are you're not even going to kill him with that big swing so that didn't work out Um, the other thing I noticed is if you take some damage to then seize the momentum and the card advantage and have them on their heels and then maybe you even hit with your roll great and then they're still on their heels but then you may have to roll again (laughs) And then, so you may spend three cards to attack them for three and lose that momentum. So you don't have a choice in keeping it there. Right. Um, I played him with Claws, so you can swing, you can have your Claw turn without that. But even said, a lot of Brute cards require you to discard a card, and with Reinar, the Silver Lining is that you intimidate. get to intimidate them for one. So right. Ko does not get that. Still requires it a lot, and uh, anyway... <laughs> he's awesome. He's a berserker runt with claws, and uh, I really. He's a lot of fun. I mean, I've, I've like killed. I think I killed somebody turn one. You know? Yeah. Which is just awesome. That's pretty But exciting. as far as like winning a tournament or five games in a row, I can't. And I, you know, I played like quite a few games. Yeah. So anyway, if anybody has like cracked how to only take advantage of and not you know <laughs> yeah if anybody's figured it out let me know let the world know or just like you know annihilate some blitz tournament and we'll hear about it but that's it KO this week or this month or this by month whatever
0: this episode yeah <laughs> <laughs> um yeah so that's our show thank you so much for listening um we really appreciate it um please go over to our Facebook hit follow hit like Um, And get in touch with us, you know, we appreciate that every time a new episode drops, somebody's like, hey, great podcast or um, hey, could you talk about this? You know, like we love that sort of feedback. Um, And if we get enough like questions or comments or that sort of thing, enough emails, um, you know, we can start opening up a, a listener mail section, which I would love, you know, if the listeners had like a question they wanted to ask us.
1: Yeah, sure. And we I mean, we do this because we love to talk about flesh and blood. Yeah. we love to talk about it with you guys. We started doing this because we talk about it all the time anyway. Yeah, totally. <laughs> you know?
0: So it just gave us a more excuses to talk and play flesh and blood because every time we're like, All right, yeah, but we're gonna play a game first, right? Yeah. Like, oh yeah. Yeah. This is a
1: very structured way and we get to share our just anything we learn with yeah. other community members.
0: Yeah, and you know, we love growing the community because we really like this game and we know that it's going to succeed. It's got the legs for sure to um, become one of the classic TCGs. Yeah, when we started this,
1: it was like tiny two months ago.
0: Yeah, totally. Now uh,
1: now, Flesh and Blood is
0: a monster. It's a monster. Awesome. Can't, can't contain it. <laughs> Godzilla type. Um So yeah, thanks for... Thanks for everything. Um, check out fabfoundry.com. Click the affiliate link, Attack Action 10 at checkout for 10% off your singles for one week. Um, Facebook, same name, Attack Action, the Attack Action podcast at gmail.com. Uh, hit us up on Discord. Mr. Beefhammer is me. He's Jack. Is him. Um, we love you. Hope you're having a great day um, and enjoying the... Um, Change in weather that comes with November.
1: And I hope you guys are all having great matches out there.
0: Yeah, totally. All right. Until next time. Goodbye. Good
1: night.